All right, this is Hindsight 2020. This one post NFL Week 17. Uh, a winning week for Mike and I in the Super Contest. Three and two in our games. I'm going to be going over those. But look, I got to tell you guys, winning is a theme surrounding me lately. Um, Although the season hasn't gone in the best as far as winning is concerned for myself personally. I got a little bit of a turnaround the past couple weeks. We'll talk a little about that. But if you're a listener of the Sharp Square podcast, the the guests are winners. Uh, Mike, who basically does the show with me every week, has been doing picks with me on Thursday since we started, is having a really good year. His super contest we've been talking about a lot lately. He remains right there in the hunt, right around the top 100, threatening the cash, and in a situation after a 3-1-1 one, and one week where a 5-0 and oh could skyrocket him and probably looking at needing something like a 4-1 and one to make the cash. We're going to talk about that in detail on Thursday. But I know those of you who have been listening for the past couple weeks... We're always rooting. We're all together, us gamblers, rooting against the book. And here's a nice opportunity uh, for Mike. Well, I mean, he won't be taking money from the book. This is more paramutual betting where it's a collection of entry fees where the dastardly book has already taken their cut. They get rich no matter what. Listen to me. This was supposed to be positive talk about us gamblers getting getting money, getting paid, and here I am griping about the dastardly bookies. I'll tell you what though. Mike with his pro stuff, I had a good weekend. If you like betting football and you like betting the student athletes, I don't know if you listen to our college football podcast. I'm not a student-athlete guy. I don't really bet college that much. But when I do, I lean on my guy, Deuce. You would know him from the Happy Hour podcast with Ariel and Deuce. He gave me a plethora of college bowl plays. I've dabbled in him a little bit, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. I looked over two games that personally sounded good for me, and they had his seal of approval, so I played them. Northwestern, seven-point underdog, one outright. I also had Ole Miss, a a three-and-a-half-point dog, wins the game. No, excuse me, they were a six-point dog, won the game outright. Overall, I've been keeping tally the picks Deuce gave on our college pod. This is going into Monday before the big bowl games, 12 and 5. So the thing is jam-packed full of winners. If you happen to catch this on Monday, you might have still have time probably before the Washington game tonight. You're going to want this guy's insight. It's been good. Like I said... 
Sometimes I pick for shit, but I have come to the understanding that this is a podcast that really just talks about gambling, talks about theory, and I'm here to give you, you know, the insight into those that actually struggle with it, the 95% that constantly find ourselves ending the season as, as losers and you know, I might I might play into the foil a little bit more than I should because I have had winning seasons. I have had winning weeks. I really put it together well this week. Um, I was, let me think about it. I was 3-1 in cash plays, and I've been super disciplined this week. So I had three games that I wanted to bet, but I was looking for particular numbers. And in my discipline, I've been passing on any game that does not get to my specific number. But I had a little bit of free roll money uh, from a promotion on one of my sites. So I rolled that money into a three-game parlay of three games that did not quite get to my number. That was the Baltimore Ravens, the New York Giants, and the Chicago Bears. And those were all winners. Uh, also had money on the Lions, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it sounds like I was 4-1. sounds like I might have done even better than I had originally thought. Now, what was my one loss? And this is going to get us into our contest plays. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they were laying 2.5. And, and frankly, they laid a big fat egg in this game. I'll tell you, I had this thing scouted wrong. I like to bet Baker when I believe that he's going to have the support of a run game and he's not going to get a lot of pressure from the defense. Now, the stats said New Orleans weren't the best squads in this department, but something you got to be really careful for in betting is the second game two teams play who are in the same division You might want to say, oh, Tampa Bay, they killed New Orleans the first time. Well, that gives Tampa Bay the incentive to say, you know what? We had a good game plan the first time. We're going to stick to it and do what works. Meanwhile, New Orleans, who got their butt kicked in the first one, makes the proper adjustments. Remember, they played last Thursday, so they had 10 days to prepare here Obviously, they're motivated. They still are alive for a possible division title, possible playoff berth. Tampa was playing to close things out, but had a little bit of leeway as even with that loss, they could still win this week against Carolina. So it was just one of those games where I should have been a little bit more careful. I'm not upset that I bet this game. It shouldn't have been in our contest, though, because our contest is all based on narrative categories. We got a little lazy this week. We put three categories in, and then what did we do? We made the mistake that Brother Herbie makes. We started having too much faith in our opinions. I had Tampa as my ultimate decision. Mike likes the game, so it makes makes its way into our contest with no categorical backing whatsoever. And it was a loser. But the big lesson I lost in this one is, or excuse me, the loss taught me in this one, I bet 
I've been betting two units on every game here um, for the past two weeks. The point being is that I want to make sure that I'm not putting anything that doesn't meet my highest standards into the contest. Now, had I redu- reduced my standards, I would have put you know some sort of bet in on that three-game parlay between the Giants, Bears, and Ravens, and I would have made more money than I made off that parlay, but it was a way... <clears throat> to satisfy something called the action demon and i've been learning about it in this book uh i oh man i hope i'm not going to say the author's name because i don't want to get it wrong but the book's called pounced how not to lose your ass betting football it seemed like a title that sung to me and he talks about how as a gambler you got to satisfy the action demon you can't just bet uh, one or two games a week, your best stuff, and expect yourself to just play like some sort of hedge fund manager. We're doing this to have fun. We're doing this to get a little satiated uh, action taken care of. And a good way to do that is to have smaller bets on games that don't fit your highest criteria. I decided to take a free roll and parlay them this week. There's probably other better ways to go about that. But to get back to the point, I decided, even though I've been playing two units on every game, the Tampa game was my favorite bet of the year, so I bet four units on that game. It matched my highest bet of the year. I figured my highest confidence pick of the year should be my highest bet of the year. And I don't think that's a flawed way of thinking, But I think the biggest flaw is whatever my unit size is, I'm probably someone who should more closely stick to that size bet. And if I do vary it, it should only be slight. And I think there's a mathematical way to go about doing this. So I'll use this example of of me betting too much on the Bucks game. Again, I could call it a bad pick. I just had it dead wrong. The uh, The way New Orleans got home, the way New Orleans played, is not how New Orleans plays a good majority of the year. And the as bad as the Bucks played, they don't generally get their butt kicked that bad. So if I thought that this was a 60-40 proposition, 60% chance the game goes my way with the Bucks. This was the 40% coming into play. Now, any bet that we make, we should be seeing something like an edge that's at minimal 55% to 45%. And maybe at most is that 60-40. If you start to look at games where you think, I've got an 80-90% edge or the dreaded lock, I've got this 100% down, there's no way you're getting that far over the books. You're probably missing something, or your enthusiasm for your side is getting compounded, and that's sort of what happened with me on the Bucks here. The Bucks should, should have been in a category of my standard premier bet, and just let one of your best picks, 
you know, get in the grouping and go ahead and collect the money if it's that good. You don't need to prove it's an even better pick by betting more money on it. In a way, that's me admitting I'm not actually putting all my premier picks in here because if that were the case, why would I have had any bets this weekend for less money than I had on the on the Bucks game? And it just so happens to work that of the five games I bet, the only loser is the Bucks. So, you know, I've said this all year. Sometimes the problem is evaluating the evaluator. But I've always looked at it as I don't recognize my mediocre bets or my lesser bets from my really good ones. I think what it is is I'm just not at the level that I can make really good ones. I'm an okay handicapper. I'm okay at picking football. But I do it at a 55 to 60% confidence level, which barely ever is going to yield uh, placing bigger bets than whatever the standard bet is. So I've got to put myself in check a little bit here, not get so overzealous that one particular pick of mine is any better than anything else that's worth Uh, putting cash on, which is a pretty selective group of games anyway. Okay, um, let's go on to the other game that really wasn't in a category. We just got stuck betting closing line value here, and it's not a terrible play. We took the Carolina Panthers plus six and a half. The thought was is that was the Trevor Lawrence line. Once it's announced that Lawrence is out, Line goes down to three and a half. So now obviously we've got closing line value because we're able to lock the game in at six and a half. I have all sorts of questions. I'm not going to delve too much into this. This could be an hour long topic about the value of closing line value in an ever changing market where unlike the days of the past when the big money was almost always the sharp money, nowadays sometimes you just have big money. Um, So I don't know how sharp the money is. The books aren't always all that sure. Here would be my question in hindsight. Nobody thinks Trevor Lawrence has been setting the world on fire. So is a C.J. Beathard offense going to be a huge fall off from what Lawrence was putting out there? We also kind of got a little duped with Carolina looking really good the past couple of weeks. This was a spot where because Carolina covered two games in a row, including one that they won, we were sort of buying them at the height of the market. And Jacksonville sort of plummeted down. I think the real question would have been is once Jacksonville got to three and a half, should we have been salivating over Carolina plus six and a half? Or should we have been saying, oh my God, look at how cheap Jacksonville just got. We're buying them now at the absolute floor in a game that they need for their life. Uh, and they certainly played that way. So I the other thing is so many people are now aware of closing line value. And in a contest like this where you can lock in lines early in the week 
and then hold on to that number as the numbers change in your favor. So many people are doing this that I don't mind the move if we're a front runner in the contest, but for two people who are desperate to try to not only win five games, but win games that are going to catch ground, we should actually be looking at games like that and saying, we want to play Jacksonville or bust. We don't want anything to do with closing line value because we need to be in a position that very few people take advantage of if we really want to catch and make up any ground. So the fact that it didn't have a category was all we needed to keep it out. But just for those of you who are playing these contests as well and are maybe questioning some of the dogma about closing line value, I think it's a subject worth really thinking about and expressing some different ideas on. All right, we had three more categories, and man, I'll make Chicago quick. I made this a share of square. If I just told you the Bears were under a field goal playing Atlanta in the snow, it's almost the only handicap I need. Atlanta got dominated in this game. They were 0 for 1 in the red zone. Chicago scores four out of five times. Atlanta did run the ball on this Chicago defense, but Chicago ran it more. They ran it better. They dominate time of possession. Atlanta has four turnovers to go with two missed field goals. This was a no sweat from start to finish. And one of those games where I know there were wise guys that just felt like had to play Atlanta. Atlanta is a dog. Atlanta in a situation where nobody sees it coming. It's just the game of Falcon that trips people up so many times. I love this category because sometimes trying to outsharp the room gets you in a lot of trouble. And sometimes when you have the most basic and square opinion... It's some of the easiest money you ever collect. We did it here, laying Chicago. Um, San Francisco, Mike had this as the circle, the wagon game. Here's what you need when you lay a big double-digit favorite. You got to make sure the team's motivated. We know that Kyle Shanahan has a history with this Washington organization. He felt sort of dismissed by them. He felt his father got fired unfairly from them. He always has a little bit of an axe to grind when he goes to Washington. And coming off an embarrassing loss on national TV, we know we were getting the best of the Niners. And we know that the best of Washington ain't that good. And we were also concerned this could be a dead team walk-in not putting in their best effort. Now, I say they definitely tried. They definitely played hard in the game. But when you get outrushed 14 rush attempts to 39 and you lose the time of possession 20 minutes to 40 minutes and your defense is out there two-thirds of the game trying to stop the Niners' offense, you are in big trouble. You know, it's about betting. You can simply break it down to this. It's about who you back and who you fade. And if you back powerhouses and you fade shit teams, it really mitigates all of that thought about, am I getting the value of the number? 
Just trust that the market's putting out the right number, and then sometimes back powerhouses against shitty teams, and we got one here with the 49ers. Lastly, I'm going to talk about our ugly Betty, our absolute most successful category. Look at the board and look at the game no one wants to bet, but not necessarily a game where people are running to the window to bet the other side. I don't think people are dying betting with two hands to bet the Eagles because they are a team that has absolutely no identity. Uh, they don't know what they are. They got Here's another game. Arizona, 40 rushes, 40 minutes time of possession. First downs, okay? Philadelphia had 17 first downs. That's pretty good. 17 to like 20-something first downs, early 20s. That's a good day for an offense. Arizona had 32. They dominated this game. My handicap had everything to do with the fact that Arizona with Kyler Murray is an underrated team. And Jonathan Gannon, being the former defensive coordinator in Philadelphia, would be motivated. He would have insight into Philly. Look, their defense allowed 31 points, but they played with intensity. And a team that really has nothing to play for playoff-wise gave a shit. That's what you need when you're going to back the dogs. We know we need the motivation uh, for the favorites. I need some give a shit with my underdog. I got it here with Arizona, the ugly Betty. We go three and two. Mike does well in his contest. Deuce is printing money, betting the student athletes. I'm back on track, chipping away at my debt, getting back even with Teddy KGB after my awful run. And we are firing away going into the last week. We'll have contest picks. We'll talk Mike's contest on Thursday. We'll talk to you then and have a very happy new year.